Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Called the questions Jesus asked, and uh, this is, is a different perspective on Jesus a little bit. You know, often we think of Jesus having all the answers, and he does, of course. But wait, there is more. He also has got lots of questions, heaps and heaps of questions. He asks everyone around him questions, and uh, when we look at the gospel, he, he's just asking the people around him. But also because of that. He's asking us questions as we read his word, as we get into his word and, and see what, what, what he's saying to us. And he really challenges us and compels us to, to think about things. You know, what do we truly believe? What do we really think? What do we really understand? And I've just read this book just recently, and, and it said that Jesus asked 307 questions. Now, I'm not going to go through the Gospels and add them up, but that's what he said, 307 questions. And he was asked only 187 questions. So he actually asked about twice as many questions as he got asked, which is pretty, pretty stunning to me when I think about it because isn't this Jesus the Son of God? You know, the Messiah, the Son of David. He knows it all. He's omniscient. He knows it all. And, and wouldn't you think if we knew it was the Son of God, we'd be asking lots of questions of Jesus when he was around. But um, Jesus asked more questions than he got asked, which is pretty interesting, I guess. Why wouldn't Jesus, instead of asking questions, why wouldn't he just tell people? Why wouldn't he just um, say, hey, this is, gonna, this is gonna, how, how it's going to work out. This is gonna, what it's going to be like. You know, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to behave. After all, he is God, right? And, uh, but he hardly ever does that. And I think that's a real, it's been a real challenge to me personally to think about that, that Jesus asked questions. He didn't require anything of anyone and I really like that. I really like that. He asked questions and he used parables. And both forms of communication that he liked um, have in common that they have no direct answers. There's no direct answer. He's asking the listener to participate in the process of understanding. I've got a quote in, in the, I think it's the next screen up there. No? Next screen, guys. Oh, Bailey, yep. Yeah, the goal is not to communicate knowledge, but to elicit new understanding in the listener. Information is not the goal. Transformation is. Information is not the goal. Transformation is. I really like that. And so, you see, instead of Jesus dictating to people how they're meant to behave, what they should and shouldn't do, what they should or should believe, he, he doesn't do that. He doesn't set up rules and regulations. He doesn't judge anyone. He doesn't criticize anyone except for the religious ones, which is really interesting. He doesn't tell them how to respond. Instead, he asks them questions, challenging people to ask themselves the same sorts of questions. What do I really think about that? What do I really believe? What do I really understand about that? And, 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 t and helps them understand there's a greater plan and purpose for their lives. You know, um, last week we talked about, you know, that... Uh, religion is a way of getting man to God. So in any religious system, we try and move men and women, people, to God. Well, and that's why Christianity really isn't a religion. 
you know, I know we, we, we think of it that way. It's more like a relationship and it's more like getting God to man, to people. And it's the God in us. It's the Emmanuel principle. It's God with us. It's moving us towards people who don't know Jesus. And it's a very different perspective. It's a diff- different way of thinking about it. Even the fact that Jesus asks all these questions is even a bit of a head spin in some ways. And, and as I said, the only thing that Jesus, the only people he really criticized, the only people he really seemed to judge, the only people he really gave a hard time were the religious leaders, the hypocrites, the, the Pharisees, the priests, the ones that thought they had it all together and were telling people what to do and how to do it. You know, Jesus just asked lots of questions. And some people responded to him and some people didn't. And he's okay with that. He did, you know, he just asked people to consider, to have a, a deeper consideration, a deeper understanding. And, and some people responded well to him and some people didn't. As I said, it's about taking God to people, God in us. It's actually moving us towards other people. And, and it means we don't have to get people to behave in a certain way to measure up to our subjective standards or to go to some place, to come to this church. It's actually helping them belong before they believe. And I know that's a hard thing to get your head around because it's like, well, this is church and, and, and we pray and we, we, we praise and we worship. We do the songs. We do four songs. We do, you know, we do a five-minute word and we do a communion. And we do, and it's like, we do, that's our thing we do. And that's ch- no, it's not church. Robin's already said it. You are the church. You have God in you. And it's about you reaching out to the people in your world or maybe going outside your comfort zone to reach those people in your world. You know, I love that we do shine in this place. We bring, you know, all those ratty year nine girls into the place. And, uh, you know, and and look, they they turn up the first day and they've got real attitude because I've been here, I've seen it. You know, and they're all doing their hair and, you know, it's all a dress-up competition and... and, uh, And by the end of that time, they are soft. They are sobbing often. They are loving each other. They just just enjoy that they don't have to put on a facade. And it's the God in us. And and here's a challenge for us this morning. You know, I thought about, um, written something in my, yeah, okay. Um, Here's something that that is, is topical and relevant and recent that I wanted to challenge you with this morning because I reckon we get stuck on stuff that we don't even realize we got stuck on stuff. Yeah, we've just had Halloween, right? And, and, and for most of us, we respond and go, well, I'm closing my door. I'm not letting any kids in here. And, you know, I've heard people say stuff like, oh, I'm blocking the driveway and I'm, I'm putting up barricades. And you go, wow, I didn't go to that extent. But, you know, I can understand I'm peering out the window. Is there any kids coming our way, you know? It's like, I just thought about it the other day. I thought, why do we do that? What's that all about? It's actually about our insecurity. Like, to me, these people don't know Jesus, right? So we can't judge them. We, we can't dictate to them what they should or shouldn't do. And, and so often we're, we're criticizing, and to me that's just dumb. It just isn't the right thing to do. It'd be much better if we actually went out to meet them actually went out with them and said, you don't have to dress up to do that. Maybe you would. Maybe put an angel's outfit on or something like that if you like. You know, if you, if you need to dress up, like my wife would, she'd dress up. She'd put on something. But, but you know, 
she would. She just would. That's what she do. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But but these people, they don't even know what Halloween represents. This is a tradition we've taken from America. And I wish we'd take Thanksgiving Day instead. Like that makes more sense to me. But anyway, Halloween's here. And so why wouldn't we take advantage of that? And instead of barring up our homes and go, bar humbug, you're not coming here, I'm not giving any lollies, go away from me. Why wouldn't we open our doors and say, well, I don't know, you wouldn't say Jesus loves you, but you know what I'm saying? Just, just like, we love you and, and, and here's some God lollies. I don't know, what would you do? But, but you know what I'm saying? Or why wouldn't you be out on the street with them? Because here's what they want. Here's what I've realized they want. They actually want community. They actually want fun. They actually, they like getting together, like doing something together. And it's like this tradition from America's come in. Most people have got no idea of any background information to it. They're just having fun. And we get all angsty and religious on it and go, oh, look what they're doing and oh, that's awful. And, you know, look at their kids dressed up like that. No, the kids are just dressing up. The kids just want some lollies. That's all they want. They're just out there doing it. And we get so religious on it. We get so bound up by it. And I'm telling you, if it was Jesus here, he'd be out with them. I guarantee you. He wouldn't be pointing a finger. He, he wouldn't be judging anyone because they don't know why they're doing it. They don't understand it. Why would we judge them on that? It's just, I don't know. It's just something I really got hold of this time. I went, wow, that's being more religious than Christian. That's trying to set up rules and regulations for people that don't even know God. And, and we get so angsty on it. And here's the thing that I wanted to get to. And I know we, uh, uh, anyway, before I get to the preach, when the world sees, this is the introduction, by the way. If, you, if you're new here, it happens like this sometimes. We, 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 we do get some preach points eventually, but it takes a while sometimes. When the world sees that behavior, it gives them another reason why they wouldn't want to be a Christian or why they wouldn't want to go to church. Because they go, why would I want to be part of that? Isn't that sobering? To me it is. It's really sobering. We are so careful of what we say, what we do, how we portray ourselves. Let me show you a scripture that will back this up. So John 12, 46 to 47. Jesus says this. I've come into the world as a light so that no man who believes in me should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, it will, I, I, will not judge, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. And, and, and in 2 Timothy, uh, Chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, right? So we, we like that. That's good. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, we're not meant to judge the world. The Word of God is for us to correct and rebuke and, 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 and all the training that's meant to this discipleship in motion. What we're meant to do, we're not meant to save people. We're meant to love them. We're just meant to love them. And we don't judge them and try and get the behave a certain way because that's just being religious. And we need to operate in grace, in a grace that God has given us, not in a religiosity that, that tries to control people and make them do something that you want them to do or you feel comfortable with or you go, oh, when they do that, I feel so, so uncomfortable. Get over it. 
We are servants of God, and yes, the Word of God is for us to teach and rebuke and train and correct, but not for those outside of the church, you know? And we can't reach this world while we stay in the safety of our church or our homes or our castles, you know? Paul Bartlett, I've heard him talk about our castles from time to time, and, and, and he talks about um, uh, that, that as Christians, we, we have like our castles, and so we raise up the, the bridge, you know, the drawbridge, and, and we go in our castles, and then, then we, all of a sudden we think, oh, I might go and save the world, and we let down our drawbridge, do, 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 do. get on our white horse with our shield, we ride out, going to save a pleb, let's go, let's do it, and, and we go out, and we go, I'm going to do my good deed, okay, back, it's getting dark now, got to get back in my castle, quick, let's get back in there, get, draw the bridge up. I don't see any of that for Jesus. Never see him operating that way. Never. He does not He's not religious at all. You see, when he meets Matthew the tax collector, <laughs> he meets him for the first time. He goes to his place for dinner that night. And, 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 and it says all the sinners are there, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, you know, the, the lepers. They're, they're all in round with Jesus. And the Pharisees come and they go, what are you doing, Jesus, with all these sinners? Don't you know who they are? And, and we get like the Pharisees from time to time. We've got to get a revelation of who Jesus is. He's asking us questions to challenge us to be more, to be more like him, to operate in a way that he would want us to operate, not in the way the world dictates to us who we need to operate. You know? Yes, we can go to pubs. It's okay. I'll give you permission. If you need permission, you can go to the pubs. But don't get drunk. Like, that's a sin. If you're a Christian, you go to the pub, you get drunk, that's a sin. And, and you've sinned. If you intend to do that, you've sinned on purpose. And God doesn't like that very much. But if you go there and have a couple of drinks, that's okay. And particularly if you are showing people Christ in you. If you are showing who are, you are in Christ and you're loving them in a way that they go, wow, that, that person's different. Like, they're really different. Like, they're just not like the world here. And, and uh, you know, so, so I just want you to loosen up on this stuff. Jesus never dictates to people the way they're meant to act or belong or, 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 or he doesn't set rules and regulations. He asks questions of people and he lets them decide for themselves. You know, those two guys, electricians in our kitchen on Friday, we had a great conversation with them. Like I was a bit, I was a bit guilty because I thought, man, I don't know if I'm getting charged for this, but I'm able, you know, I'm talking to them. And, and, uh, and, and anyway, we, we were talking about church and God, and, and, and one had two little kids, and I'm pretty sure he's not here this morning, but, but I asked him to church, and, um, and one guy was really keen with the two kids. The other guy had just been through a pretty traumatic thing in his family, and he was searching, but he wasn't ready to step into that yet. But it's just like people want to know the answers we've got to ask the questions and let them choose to find the answers for themselves we've got to be good at asking good questions you know you know well what do you believe in your life well you know what gets you through a hard time you know do you know jesus like we've just got to be good at asking questions anyway let's go the question we're going to look at this morning is do you believe i can do this and it's out of matthew 9 and the context of this is jesus through the chapters he teaches the disciples of john about fasting 
and then a synagogue leader, a ruler, comes to him and kneels down his feet and says, my, my daughter's been sick and she just died. Will you come? And Jesus said, oh, yeah, okay. So he goes to the ruler's house. On the way there, a sick woman who had been sick with a bleeding disorder for 12 years touches the hem of his garment and is healed. And Jesus asks, who touched me? In a, in a crowd of people, he asks, who touched me? What a great question. Not the question we're going to look at this morning. It's a great question. See, he was touched by this woman's faith, not necessarily the touch, human touch. He was touched by her faith. Does your faith touch Jesus? Jesus said to her, your faith has healed you. Anyway, he continues on. He gets to the ruler's house. He announces, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And everyone laughs. They think he's having a joke, you know. And he goes, no, no, everyone get out. And uh, he goes to the girl, takes her by the hand, and she stands up and he takes her outside and there's amazing, um, you know, the news spread, there's, there's amazement, everyone's going, whoa, who is this guy? And, and so it's from here I want to look at this next story in the Scriptures, Ma- Matthew 9, verses 27 to 30. Um, so as Jesus went on from there, so he'd just been with the, the rulers at the ruler's house where the girl had been healed. Jesus w- went on from there. Two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, this is Jesus, the blind men came to him and asked him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. See, according to your faith, it will be done to you. Not according to your social standing, not according to your relational standing, not according to your income, not according to the references, not according to your good works like Beck was talking about this morning, but according to your faith, let it be done to you. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Such a sobering scripture that. And you see, this thing, according to your faith, it's a good scripture. It's encouraging in one way. And it's also confusing in another way because what do we do? We've got a situation in our life, in our world, and we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray and nothing changes. And that's confusing and disheartening. And sometimes you think, well, if it's about faith, maybe I haven't got enough faith. But doesn't the Bible say you only need to have faith as big as a mustard seed? So it can't be about the amount of faith. And then other people say, well, you know, unthinking people can sometimes say, well, you know, you haven't got enough faith. You've got to have more faith. It's like, that's not helpful. It's not helpful. You know, w- what happens in that situation? It's confusing, and, and we don't really know how to respond to that. And, and, and all I can say to you is that, that God heals who he wants. He does what he wants. He, do, he does what he sees to do. He sees the bigger picture in mind. He is sovereign. That means he is in control, basically. He's sovereign. He has a higher plan and purpose. You know, we, we, we had our family thing yesterday. We had all our kids and, and, and in-laws and, and, and son-in-laws and daughter-in-law and, and our grandkids. And, and Claire and Adrian are the one that just added the last grandchild. To the, oh, have they? Does that work? Yes, it does. He has the last grandchild in the mix. But he's now nearly 18 months old. And... He's adopted. Well, he's not adopted yet. He's still in, in their permanent care. 
But they had the journey of infertility for a lot of years. And we've been praying and praying and praying for them and with them. And it's, it's hard. It was hard, yeah. If you've been through that, you know. Or if you're in that, you know. It's hard. And yet, they didn't get their miracle necessarily in a way that we expected a miracle. And yet, this little boy is a miracle. I'm telling you, he is a miracle. He, he even looks like them. It's just, it's just like, you're sure you didn't have this kid somewhere? And, you know, like, he looks like them. And, and he fits in with the family. And it's just like, this is miraculous. Not in a way that I was thinking it'd be miraculous. But God did something really special. And he's doing something special right now. And it was, it was beautiful to see him in the midst of all the other kids. Uh, and and we, what we've got to camp on is his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And he still works all things for the good of those that love him and call according to his purpose. So he's in motion. There's it, the, your miracle is in motion. Even if you don't understand that right now, it's in motion. It's in process. It, you may not know when it'll come. You, you may not understand when it even comes. It, that's what the outcome of the miracle was. But God is in motion. We have to have the faith to believe that he can do that. And, and what's the biggest hindrance of faith? What's the biggest hindrance, the thing that holds us back from a faith position? You know, so often you think, well, it's worry or it's doubt or it's fear. And they're, they're all appropriate things. Like that, that not, that's not any of those things. But what I've, I've actually thought about is so often uh, the familiar is the enemy of faith. The familiar things in our life is the enemy of faith. We get so used to stuff the way it is. We accept what it is. We accept it can't be any different. And we, we allow ourselves to camp there. You see, these blind guys could have easily said, you know, well, I've always been blind. What's the point of trying? What's the point of following Jesus, you know, trying to find Jesus? What's the point of praying? What's the point of trying? What, what's... There's no point in any of that. It's always going to be the same. We're always going to have the same outcomes. I'm like I am. Woe is me. Uh, life is so unfair. Blah, blah, blah. They could have easily gone there, right? Because they're blind. <laughs> but they didn't. And for you here this morning, maybe you've got some physical illness. Maybe you've had headaches all your life and you just think that's going to be the way it is. Or maybe you're struggling financially. You think, well, we always struggle financially. Or, or maybe if you, you've been an average student, you think, well, I'm only ever going to be an average student. Um, you know, just done the HSC, you think I struggle big time. I, I don't know if I'm going to amount to anything. Maybe you've always dated the wrong sort of person and always end badly. Maybe for you, 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 you had a, a, a bad relationship with your dad. And I'm just never going to have good relationships with men. You know, it's just not the way I am. Maybe you've got spiritual doubts. Maybe you just think nothing can change. You need to have faith. Faith just as big as a mustard seed, just as small as a mustard You need to have faith to believe that that thing can change and will change if we hold it in prayer. God, God does the miraculous. Nothing is impossible for God. He can do in you what you've been praying for, but you've just got to hold on to it and wait and see and listen to what God's saying to you in the process of that takes faith to step us away from the familiar and the everyday to step into the faith zone that he has got for you. Okay, what kind of faith honors God? 
First thought here this morning, faith that believes when it doesn't see. Faith that believes when it doesn't see. You see these blind guys, they can't see. And yet they hear the voice of Jesus. They hear that he's in the neighborhood. Now Hebrews 11.1, 1, um, I've given you the New Living Translation here this morning. Faith is the coincidence, uh, confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. You know, the Matthew 9 verse there is 28. When Jesus had gone indoors, the blind man came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. You see, I even wonder how they do that. Like, they're blind. Jesus said no. Well, he didn't say no. He just ignored them, basically. Then he goes inside somewhere, and they somehow work out how to get in there to, to, so he can ask them that question. So often it's our response to tough situations, tough circumstances. Faith is all about. And sometimes we can go, you've tried everything, now all I can do is pray. Done everything else, now all I can do is pray. And it's like, it's the last thing we do. It's like, really? The size of your request reveals the strength of your faith. What you pray about reflects what you believe about God. If you ask for little things, well, that's probably what you're going to receive. But if you have audacious prayers, if you're prepared to be a little bold in your prayers, you never know what God can do to that. You know, so often we limit our prayers to you know, safe travels and bless this food to my body and safe travels and bless the food to my body. And it's like, no, God, I need you to heal my marriage. God, I need you to heal this physical illness, God. I need to get healing from the hurt from the past because I know it's holding me back from the future. Bold prayers, you know, help my kids, help my children, help my grandkids, God. Protection, of course, but, but more than that. You know, maybe it's for forgiveness for you. Maybe there's another prayer in your heart that just, you just can't believe, you just can't, you just, I can't, God, it's too hurt. It's too much hurt there. Well, Jesus asked the question, do you believe I can do this? Faith believes when it doesn't see. It doesn't rely on our eyes to see faith move. So that's the first thought. Second thought is this. Faith that persists when nothing changes. Faith that persists when nothing changes. See, these blind guys, I don't know how old they were. It doesn't tell you. But they've been blind all their lives. Sitting on the side of the road, Jesus comes past and he ignores them. And you'd think maybe, based on the life, beating them up, they would just sit there and go, oh, yeah, again, another, another thing. Someone else ignores us, you know. Ho-hum, life is like that. No, they got up and they just pursued Jesus. And I don't know how difficult that would be to be blind, but he actually, they followed him inside and he gets the opportunity to ask, do you believe I'm able to do this? And they say, yes, Lord. See, Jesus didn't answer immediately, but he did answer he, when he goes indoors. You know, there's so many instances in my life, so many instances in my life where I've been praying and praying and praying. It doesn't seem like anything's happening. It doesn't seem like it, the ch- nothing's changing. You know, um, as, as you know, we've got four kids and... Uh, we had our three daughters here last week, and, and uh, it was wonderful to have them on the front row there. And our son, uh, who lives in Canberra now, 
he, um, he had a difficult, difficult season, which caused us to have a difficult season. And, uh, you know, he, he got accepted to Hobart Uni and he didn't want to come on the church plant with us because he was pretty anti-church by the time he got to uni age. And uh, moved down to, to Hobart and his girlfriend decided to change her uni degree and moved down to Hobart with him, which we weren't particularly happy about. But, you know, it's what happens as an adult and we, we couldn't really sort of say no or do anything about that. So six years into his uni degree, on the sixth year, middle of the sixth year, in medicine, he came unstuck. And he had a relationship breakdown with the girl he'd been living with. And we knew nothing about it. Like, we'd ring up, yeah, everything's good, see you later. It was really a conversation most of the time. And we got a phone call that... Uh, he was in Hobart ICU uh, with pretty bad state. He tried to take his own life. He'd overdosed and had been like that for a little while apparently, been in that drinking and drugging state and uh, hadn't been going to uni. So Robin rushed down there and uh, um, he was pretty rebellious. He didn't want to come home. Home was never the answer for him because we had the God factor and it was just not part of his thinking at this stage. Anyway, brought him home. It was tough. It was tough at home. He, he uh, actually tried to take his life a couple of other times after that. He was cutting himself. Um, he was drink Every time he drank, he'd get aggressive and abusive and destructive and, and it was horrible. And uh, And we've been praying, you know, for probably eight or nine years at that stage, maybe ten years at that stage. Nothing had changed. In fact, it was worse. He seemed further away from God. God, we need, he needs you in his life. God, bring good people into his life, Christian people, that can, can show him the way. You know, maybe it can't be us because we're too close, but somebody come across his path. We're praying that prayer over and over and over and over again. But nothing changed. You know, um, we uh, this particular night, we had a, a pastor's retreat, and it's usually for three three days, three nights, and we'd usually go, but we couldn't actually be away from home overnight because we didn't know what he'd do. You know, I think the two girls were still at home, and he was, if he had a few drinks, he could get really destructive. So we couldn't stay away from home tonight, but we went to the retreat and said, we'll have dinner, and then we'll come home. And, you know, they decided to have a prayer time just after dinner. At the same time at our house, where Brenton was living, staying, there was a young adults group happening. And I think they were talking about spiritual warfare at the time. Um, but he wasn't interested in that at all. He sat behind and listened for a bit, then went to his bedroom. At exactly the same time as we were praying, and can I tell you, they weren't just normal prayers. They were heartfelt prayers. There was tears and snot and the whole deal, you know, like, and it was actually throughout the whole room. There was pastors and people there who were praying for him, praying for all our kids, all our kids. At the same time, <laughs> this is astonishing, he went to his bedroom, shut the door and started to weep. He started to weep and weep and weep. And he told us a couple of days later, I've never wept like that. I just don't cry. And he wept and he wept and he wept. And 
God did something in his heart. Now, the next couple of days, there was a Youth Alive event in Sydney. He never went to those things. Like, they were the worst things he could think of going to. He chased a bus down the Nelson Bay Road to get on it, to go to Youth Alive in Sydney. Gave his heart to the Lord. And it was a radical salvation, can I tell you. It was lovely to, to watch it. He, he, in the second half of the year, he, he did an associate diploma in, in theolo- theology down with a, a university in Melbourne. He got baptized, water baptized at Fisherman's Bay. And this just might be in my head, but this is how I remember it. He came out of the water and two whales breached out the back. It was in winter. I was just like, oh God, you do answer prayer. In the midst of when nothing seemed like it changed, we're still praying. (laughs) I think our faith was diminishing a little perhaps, but we're still praying. And God did something magnificent in that time. And I could tell you story after story after story about this church and this property and the building and the five acres and everything. In the natural, it looked like we were gone. In God, though, through prayer, God came through. See, we need a faith that persists even when nothing changes. Colossians 4.2, be persistent in prayer. Keep alert as you pray, giving thanks to God. You know, we don't have to look at Luke 18, the persistent widow, who, who just wouldn't give up. You know, the judge didn't care about God or people. He wasn't too concerned about any of that. But he gave into this little, this persistent widow that just keep coming to him, asking for a request, asking for a request. And, and Jesus says, that's how it is with God. We need to be persistent. What kind of faith moves the heart of God? A faith that persists even when nothing changes. Third thought. Faith that works when it doesn't make sense. Faith that works when it doesn't make sense. See, so much of God doesn't make a lot of sense to us, naturally. We've got to trust. We've got to have faith in God. And there's a difference between hope and faith. I thought this was interesting. I've got a few minutes left. Hope is the outcome and consequence of a strong faith. Faith is complete trust or confidence in God that he can do something. Hope is like the optimistic... optimistic um, outworking of that you know it might be shown in a relationship with uh, uh between faith and hope with with the father and the son you know the dad says you know we're going to go to an amusement park tomorrow and and the child believes that he will go to the amusement park based on the his father's word that's faith at the same time the belief that the child has sparks this overflowing joy and so they're jumping up and down clapping their hands and that's expressions of joy and hope and, and uh, the child's natural trust in his father's promise is the faith component. And the child's squeals of delight is the expressions of hope. And here's the point. Without faith, there's no hope. Without hope, there's no true faith. Faith is demonstrated in action. You know, we, we need to take action on our faith. And like Abraham did with his son Isaac, you know. He, he, he did everything God asked him to do, take him up the mountain to sacrifice. And he goes, his only son, he's been wanting this son for years and years and years. God, you can't do this. But in James 2.22, you see that Abraham's faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. Faith and actions have to work together. We have to have a faith 
And then we have to take action to pursue that faith. There needs to be an action associated to that. You know, for some people, for some of us, we're focused so much on the problem that we can never see the answer. We're, we're defeated before we even start. And you see these blind guys, they didn't focus on what they couldn't do. All they did was focus on what they could do. They pursued Jesus. They didn't know whether they'd find him and get him, they, they, but they're going to pursue him. And, and they would have said something like, I can't see, but you know what? I can hear, and I can yell, and I can walk, and I can follow Jesus. And that's what our faith journey is about sometimes. We just do what we can do. Don't focus what you can't do. Focus on what you can do. You know, um, I, I can't pay the bills today. That's okay. Pray to Jesus, sell everything but the kids. You know, just, just you know, do what you can. Uh, um, I can't change my spouse. Love them as they are. Work on your marriage and believe for a miracle. I can't heal cancer. No, that's true. But change your diet. Get the best doctors. Get your life group praying for you. Get the people in your world praying for you. You know, who knows what God can put in a prayer request. You know, we pray for it here on Sunday. It goes to the intercessory team on Monday, and they pray over it. Who knows what that could lead to? If you believe that God can heal you in faith, you take action towards that outcome, and it's both those things working together, faith that works when it doesn't make sense. And I'm just about out of time. You know, What do you really believe? Jesus, I think, is asking you that question here this morning. What do you really believe? What do you really believe? Where's your faith? What's the things that you may be so fearful about praying for? Because you go, well, that's too big. It's too hard. No. God can do anything. Put yourself out there in prayer, in faith. Believe God is the God of the miraculous. Nothing is impossible for him. What do you really believe? What, what's really in your heart? How are you going to respond to that sort of question, that challenge in your life? Let's stand this morning. I'll pray for you to finish, eh? Actually, I want to... Sam, can you come and pray for us? Is that all right? Come on, come, come up here and pray for us. Is that Okay. Hey, come on, if, if you feel comfortable, just reach out to God in this moment. This isn't a moment about me praying. This is a moment between you and a God that loves you, that cares about you. So if you feel comfortable, just close your eyes, lift your hands. Father God, we thank you that we can put our faith and our trust in you, Lord God. That Father God, sometimes you may seem distant, sometimes you may see far off, Lord God. But it's in those moments, Lord, that you call us to come to you, Father God. To call out to you, to draw near to you to put our faith and our trust in you, Lord God. I pray over anyone here in this place this morning, Father God, that is struggling, Lord, that is at a place where they've got nowhere else to turn but to turn to you. And I pray that, Lord God, that that will have the strength, the confidence, Father God, to look to you in this time of need, Lord. Lord, we thank you that, that you sent your son Jesus to be the way, the truth, and the life. And as we accept him and what he's done for us, he makes a way through all seasons. So I pray, Lord God, over every single situation here, Lord God, that you make a way, that you do what only you can do, Jesus, and that, Father God, we'll see miracles, Lord God. We'll see lives change, Father God.
We'll see people come to you, Lord God, as they put their faith and their trust in you. Thank you, Jesus. You know, this morning, if, if you've heard the message that Greg has said and, and you want to respond, you've heard the message of Jesus, you've heard that there is somebody that is above all things in this world and you want to put your faith and your trust in him, I'm just going to ask everyone once again just to close your eyes and bow your heads, just to give a bit of privacy, just to give that little sense of, of a moment between you and God. You know, I don't know if you're visiting today, maybe you've been coming for a while, but right here in this moment, you know that you know you need to make your peace with God. You need to come before God. You know, John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17 says, For God didn't send His Son, God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn us, but that we could be set th- free through trusting in Him. And that's, that's what I want to give you an opportunity right now. If you choose to put your faith and your trust in Jesus... He'll come into your life and set you free. So if that's you this morning, if you want to make that choice, I'm just going to count to three. And and I want to encourage you, if you want to make that decision, just be bold and put your hand straight up in the air because I'm going to lead us in a prayer. So on three, if that's you, whether you've made this decision before or maybe it's your first time and you want to come to God, you know, just put your hand up so I know who I'm praying for on three. One, two, three. Just stretch it up right where you are. Just put it straight up in the air. Amazing. Be bold. Take this opportunity to meet with God. Father God, for the people that have their hands raised, Lord God, I thank you that they've made that decision today to put their faith and their trust in you. I pray, Lord God, that from this day forward, Lord, that they can know you as their Lord and Savior, their God and King, and I thank you for the freedom and the life that you bring when we put our faith and trust in you. You know, if you prayed that prayer right now, along with me, we want to congratulate you. We want to say that's the best decision that you can ever make. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.